I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe, or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. This is Dum 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 the show about the reality dark drama that sends an amrich in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the long, slow screw against the wall that is Royfield Brown, and with me I have the pint of stout with an umbrella that is Lucy Freeman. And the most important part of our cocktail, folks, is you. Today's rendition of Barrett Green is brought to you by me old mucker Paul Room. Oh, yeah, he's done quite a few. I thought we'd uh, dredge one up for yeah. me old brother. Um, Lucy, mm-hmm. can you remind our listeners how that win the accolade of Dumb De Dumber of the Week? Yes, if you... If they're so inclined to. If you want to sing us a Dumpty Dum, please get in touch. Or give us your opinion on what is going on in Ambridge. Please get in touch via Speakpipe on the site or ring 02030313105. Thanks to Harriet at Shambridge for her amazing voices. And Sarah Smith, hurrah, for sponsoring Dumpty Dum. Thanks also to Derek for the loan in the back bedroom. Derek is incredibly jolly this week as he has a girlfriend, he says. Uh, He met her on the internet. And she's a lady from Vladivostok. She's called Milena. She's 21 and she's a lingerie model. But he says he's only interested in her cultural attributes, which he says are absolutely massive. <laughs> Weird place, Vladivostok. Have you been there? No, but it's at the end of the Trans-Siberian Railway, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, uh, I forget its Chinese name, but it's only been part of Russia since about 1860. Really? Yeah. It's a strange it's... place, your head, isn't it? It's all... Why would you say that's strange? Because it's all strange? full of funny stuff. Weird stuff. No, I just know about a little bit about history and geography. There's nothing funny about that, okay. Lucy. I think <laughs> people say me. our obsession with the soap opera is much more weird and much more weird. <laughs> No, that's completely normal. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing funny about that at all. 
This week we have calls from Paul Room, who thinks Harassment needs to arrest himself. Jojo Sexy Heels, who thinks Kate is absolutely fabulous. Mrs. Marbles, who knows what happened in Brighton. Witherspoon and Angus, who have started prescribing. And Mrs. Bentos, who will miss Moik. But first, Lucy, mm-hmm. why don't you give us one of your rip-roaring, humorous, <laughs> salacious, sometimes filthy, <laughs> but always funny monologues. This Week in Ambridge was sponsored by the Institute of Unlikely Behaviours. However, let us begin at the beginning with Auntie Cardboard and Hootie Jill by the bees. Hootie Mm. Jill was checking the bees for yet more horrible diseases, and while she was taking their blood pressure and making them all turn to the side and cough, Auntie Cardboard was asking her whether she should move in with Peggy Woolley. Yes, said Hootie Jill, thinking it will be so much easier to have you both in the same place, so I won't have to go even further out of my way to patronise you. In fact, why not move Heather in there too and you can all take turns pushing each other off the stairlift Susan (laughs) spent the week practising canapes for Mike and Vicky's leaving do. Ed doesn't see the point of avocado he announced bewilderingly. How can there be a point to an avocado? Anyway uh, poor old Neil got fed up with the canapes. He's the only pig man in Borsetshire who goes off to work with a lunchbox containing a pack of frazzles, a can of ginger beer, an apple and 17 prune and almond yak tartlets Over Mm. at home farm One of the pickers strained his wrist helping Charlie out with a job that ended up being bigger than he thought. Well, we've all been there. (laughs) Kenton started the week being irritatingly chipper about the fate. Let's have it at the car park, he suggested joyfully. The very place all of life's best experiences happen in car parks. The jolly festival goers crowding round the recycling bins and nestling up to someone's Ford Mondeo. It had looked like some kind of slightly over-formal dogging session. Anyway, common sense prevailed when the merry widow suggested moving the fate to Lower Loxley, which was greeted with screams of delight by everyone except Kenton, who sat on his park bench saying, You've always hated me, haven't you? You've always tried to ruin me. (laughs) He even had to go at Jill, who sat there echoing him with sad hoots. Tony and Pat have gone cruising. That won't do his heart any good either, but at least he'll die happy. Susan told us a curious little story about winning a pig at a fate and ending up with Neil. Seems like a fair deal to me. I'm not sure she'd have stayed married quite so long to the pig, but it might have made slightly less weird noises. Jenny had a heart-to-heart with Lillian and confirmed her utter insanity by saying, Kate never used to be like this. Even Even deluded Lillian pointed out that Kate had been, is now, and will always be a sodding nightmare. Kate has left her course as her silly tutor just didn't understand the big picture and kept trying to make her waste her time backing up her point of view with facts and figures, honestly. Brian had a lovely go at her and told her for the hundredth time that this time, Kate, this time you really, really are on your own. No, really, Kate, I mean it. Kate, take your hand out of my wallet. He also (laughs) said she couldn't hold anything down, but she gave it a good go with Toby Fairbrother. (laughs) At the Tucker's farewell party, Susan taught Neil how to make a champagne cocktail, or cocktail, as she referred to it. I got the sense Neil would have been a lot more comfortable making a beer cocktail. Pour some beer in a glass, pour some more beer over it, then top it up with beer. 
This was also the scene of the major character clangor as far as I was concerned. There is no way on God's earth that Jennifer would have told Brenda that Kate was leaving her course. No way. Jennifer likes to hide things until the last possible moment before revealing that her family have stuffed up massively yet again. Fallon and Harassment had a cringy birthday celebration. I hate people that don't like their own birthdays. Just shut up. It's not about you. It's about <laughs> everyone else. It's my birthday mm-hmm. next week and I want a gigantic fuss. And if there isn't one, there will be trouble. They then accidentally revealed that their special cuddles only last 10 minutes. So that's two minutes for the actual act and an eight minute fingertip search for Fallon's bunting, I would imagine. <laughs> While the rest of the village were locked into a dark, stuffy room on a boiling hot summer's evening and forced to sit behind Fallon and Harassment while they said, No, I love you more. No, I love you more. Unbearable Kate and Lillian sat in the pub garden getting pissed. Disappointingly, Lillian did not tell Kate she was a waste of bloody time and to pull her finger out, but instead they had a bit of an, Oh, it's not us. People just don't understand that we're different, darling. Kate managed to blame everyone in the entire world for her current situation, including Haley, Roy, Lucas, the entire Madicane family, Mr. Matthewson, Brian, Jennifer, Percy Thrower and the late Archbishop Macarios. The two of them, an overprivileged <laughs> little spoilt rich girl who's half as bright as she thinks she is and a gin-soaked bankrupt divorcee with a taste in men that Kerry Katona would think was dubious, are going to come up with a plan that will amaze the whole village. Kate, get a bloody job. That'll amaze all of us. The end. Oh, Lucy, that was good this week. Thank you. Yeah, no, no, seriously, that was good. <laughs> no, 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 really, really. Oh, just <laughs> Shut r- up, proper stop funny. it! Stop it, stop it. Oh, it's a compliment. <laughs> I did think yes. the Brian slapdown was very good. It was, but do you know what made me cross? There's always a thing that makes me cross. Brian cross. and Jennifer have indulged Kate for 38 years they have mm. bailed her out. They have boosted... The t- you know, there are some people who actually suffer from high self-esteem, and Kate is one mm. of them. Um, they have boosted her up unnecessarily when the problem was she had too much self-confidence, not too little, or self-belief, anyway. Um, they have, you know, made excuses for her appalling behaviour. They have bailed her out. They have never allowed her to just fail and... She is the human equivalent of the Christmas play, isn't she? Always bailed out at the last minute and magically just Lucy, about scrapes through. But come on, come on. As, as as someone who's a parent, and I know your children are somewhat younger than Kate, but if you could see that one of your offspring was about to fail, you'd do exactly the same. The thing is, with Brian and Jennifer... But, but as long as they learn something afterwards. But now they're having a go at her as if she's created that situation herself. She hasn't. It's them. It's it. I think that's a massive oversimplification. They have what three other children? Mm. They're not like Kate. No, well, and I one would can't say bear to be in the same a... country with them. One's a philandering git, and the other. Well, I don't know what to say about Alice. To be honest, Alice is in between the event wrecking. She's <laughs> and the nuclear physicism. She's uh, she's quite she's quite sound, isn't she? I suppose. Alice. No, Alice is Alice is fine. You know, Debbie's had her her ups and downs, her Mm. literal ups and downs, her nocturnal ups and downs and and whatever. But she's absolutely solid, fundamentally. Uh, And um, and Adam has come back into the bosom of the family and is helping out with the family business. Mm. 
you yourself said it that some people are just born with too much self-esteem that's what she's born with so it doesn't really matter but what her parents did but you can't be born with that you can't no 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 I, do you remember her trapping one of the Grundy boys in that house you are so taking me back you know who did who, it was wait, was Ed. it Ed I think it was Ed and it was whose house was it? It was somebody's house, and they'd temporarily moved in with somebody else, or they were renting it out. Or it something. was empty, wasn't it? Yeah, they and they were smoking in there, empty. and and they took mm. it over. And she, yeah, she trapped one of them in there, and they got into trouble, and she didn't. Because right, I think uh, because Jennifer just wouldn't believe that she was playing with them at all, or something. I tell you, because old Mike has left, mm. I found myself today going back on the archers website doing you know doing a little bit of digging mm. mike tucker i forgot how angry yeah. he used to be yeah i had complete he is so mellowed out yeah he was always angry betty was so put upon wasn't she yeah she yeah. really was i had forgotten that but and i completely forgotten also that kate had disappeared for literally like a year, nine months after a GCSE. She yeah. Just, just, yeah. yeah. She has always been a handful. Yeah. And there is only so much blame her parents can, you know, put on themselves for the way that she is. Because actually, as I've said, you know, if we take a little Ruari Ruari out of things, you know, we've got three other kids yeah. who are, are stand up adults. Mm. You know, Kate is just Kate. Her world has always revolved around her. And if her parents didn't give her love and largesse, she would say, well, they're just evil. And if they did, uh, then we'd just say they're overindulging her. They're in a no-win situation because she just is the way that she is. She has to find her own path Mm. and and just, you know, and and fail. And Talking uh, about... just, just sorry to 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 divert you for a second. But talking about the bygone days, am I right in saying that Betty mm. nearly had an affair with Sid Perks? I think you are probably right. Didn't she move into the Bull, or she was working at the Bull for a while? I and somebody said that she had that Brian fancied her as well. Well. He kind of fancied everybody yeah. at one well, he'd point. Yeah, would give everyone a go, wouldn't he? It was up to the woman really in bandage to go. Much. Right, get back, back, right back, right. That's okay. Mm. <laughs> but it, it wouldn't surprise me. You know, it was, it, uh, you know, I really think uh, new and old listeners alike should go back and actually read mm. the uh, Kerry Davis does a yearly kind of synopsis. And then there are clips of kind of key scenes and you just hear and it was a real shock mm. to hear how angry mm. mike was and i went yes he was the guy who you never really liked yeah you never really liked mike tucker yeah well he, he, he kind so of mellowed, mellowed after Be- betty's heart first heart attack he mellowed mm. and then vicky kind of ungrumped him a bit yeah but he was described as the one who never had a sense of humor Mm. And and as Neil said in his speech, this sort of union firebrand, because he was the one who he organised a protest against Brian for for um, un, unlawful working practices because Brian had fired somebody he shouldn't have fired. 
without making think, them properly redundant or something like that. Do you think that's the reason why Brian got his revenge on him by that accident <laughs> poking his eye out? <laughs> I don't remember the accident. I don't know how Me he either. actually I lost don't. his eye. And and the thing was, I was at college or at university at the time, so I was completely listening because the scene that I heard, which is on the uh, on the Archer's website, I remember all of it. It all came flooding back. Really? But I cannot remember actually what the accident was. No. I Though I remember he was angry, he was depressed. But yeah. Oh, just whilst we're um, on the subject of um, old archive bits of the archers, yeah. I went oh, to yes. uh, BBC Archive uh, in Perryvale. And you uh, met lovely week. James Jeffries, didn't you? I did. Isn't I he did. nice? And uh, I met a gentleman called Dion, who is kind of head of the BBC Archive. And guess what, Lucy? What? They allowed me to hold the oldest edition of the Archers at the BBC. Really? Yeah. It's from 1952. It's episode three. No. Yeah, 302. And I did tweet out a little picture of it. That's amazing. Um, It's 302 in 1950, whatever it was. Just makes you realise how long it's been going. Absolutely. And um, Norman painting was in that episode. And yeah, it was a, it's a, it's a 12 inch uh, bit of vinyl and the shows were a little bit longer back then. I think they're about 14 minutes yeah. or so. But yeah, and you know, they're saying that uh, they might actually have older episodes. Uh, it's just that they, they, there's some kind of storeroom somewhere which hasn't actually been catalogued because when they have to move, when they move from television, uh, television center and they move from various different other places, they still have you know artifacts and content and things which they haven't actually gone through and catalogued. So it could well they could actually find out that you know in a year or two that they actually have older episodes. But the the oldest one which is catalogued, uh, I held it and wow. I took a picture. Yeah, it's very very cool. And thank you people at the BBC for inviting me along. I had an amazing time, an amazing time. Um, Luce. Yep. Should we do some calls? Yay! Hello, Ambridge 3962. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Felicity. I hope you're both keeping well. Kenton. I think we've reached a point where the Kenton story has changed gear. Up to now, a lot of us have been saying, it's all your own fault, silly boy, pull yourself together, you know, yell at David for a bit and then get over it. But I think... This week, it changed gear in that he had a go at Jill, and that is unheard of. Jill, who's protected him and supported him and all the rest of it all her life. I think Lucy's analysis of him as the the dreamer who had the chance to have his dreams come true, and then that disappeared so quickly, was a very, very perceptive analysis. I think that's exactly what the problem is. He not only had a go at Jill, but he did it in front of Tom and in front of Ed, who is not even family. So that really, really is crossing a line. I hope that they don't bring it to climax by having him physically attack David. I think that would be much, much too easy. Where is Shula in this? She's supposed to be his twin. They are supposed to be the have the twin thing, which we got told about probably a few months back. But where is Shula? Why isn't she intervening with Kenton? Or maybe she and Kenton are going to rebond over Alistair's absence. Can't work out where it's going, but I do think it's suddenly become a much, much more serious storyline. That's all for now. 
keep up the good work. Many thanks. Bye bye. Felicity um, has very can kindly. What loose? Can yeah. I just jump in? You know, people have been talking about the fact that they don't, uh, that, you know, that they can't discern who's speaking. Yeah. On the archers, they don't know who yeah. which character is whom. Felicity's got the same problem with you and I. That's what I was. That's that was what I was going to say. She has very kindly attributed <laughs> her, your excellent summing up of Kenton to me, which is very nice. Thank you, thank you. I'm happy to take a compliment, even if it was never intended for me. Um, yes, uh, and also, where is as she says, where is Shula? Shula is the one who normally comes galloping in to calm Kenton down when he's throwing his toys, and she's vanished. Well, do you think that's actually going to be her role in this? She's leaving it a bit late, isn't she? He's going, he's, he's going postal. I mean, he's, you know, mm. he is, the fact that he's having a go at his mum, you know, David is one thing, because that's like kids squabbling on the back seat. Yep. You're on my side of the seat, thwack. But this is, you know, that's unpleasant. Mm. And he knows that his mum would never do anything deliberately to... You know, well, to... I, I, he, he, I think Kenton absolutely does know that, but he's so yeah. anxious yeah. that he just lost it. Yeah, you know, yeah. quite refle- not even quite reflection. I'm sure a second afterwards he realised what he said was wrong. Yeah, but he's that panicked about money. Yeah, that um, you know, he was just wearing his emotions on his sleeve then. You know, and they were just incredibly misdirected. But poor old Jolene. I mean, I'm not sure how. <sighs> Because it's sort of her business. She hasn't got for sort of family money to rely on. In the sense, she's got nobody to bail her out in the way that Jill could bail out Kenton if necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't have that. If she splits up with Kenton, she's buggered because she's lost the business. He'll have lost the business by his behaviour. You know, mm-hmm. she. I don't know. I, I'm. Oh, I just. I wish they would end this storyline quickly because it's getting sort of. Um, and it's just horrible it's out of character for kenton well it's kind of out of character for kenton and it's just um he's just taking it way 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 too far i don't like it and and no one is around on team kenton are they nobody's sane on his side because because shula also said oh that's a brilliant idea elizabeth when elizabeth suggested having it at lower loxley so if if I suppose yeah, if Shula but, then but says having it having it at Lower Loxy is not to say that you're not on Kenton's side. That's the you know Kenton. That's Kenton's his delusion. Prime that prime motivation yeah. is cashola. Yeah. yeah. And as he said, passing trade. Yeah. No, no one else is thinking of that. Just thinking of the the tradition of the village. Yeah. We need to have a fate. Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, he just happened to be collateral damage in that decision. You know, but he cannot see it as such because they're strapped for cash and of his own doing. Well, I suppose the moral of the story is always go to meetings that you're supposed to be at. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> things get decided when you're not there. But I'm sure Kenton would say he couldn't afford to be there because I can't have the extra staff yeah. behind the bar at the moment. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy Royfield and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. We're back from our upstate weekend visiting Martin Van Buren. Well, at least we saw his statue. And while in Kinderhook, I learned that Thomas Cole, the founder of the Hudson River School of American Art in the early 1800s, was actually born and raised in Lancashire before his family came to America when he was 17. 
May our nation's cross-fertilization always bear fruit. This week saw me dipping my toe into the Twitterverse, and it was quite the exciting seven days for the archers as well. I'm sure that Lucy has given us a very entertaining summary of the swanky party scene in Ambridge. Only its residents can view moving an hour's drive away as if one were moving to Australia. My hat goes off to Brian for finally, finally confronting Kate in a big way, and to Jennifer for backing him up. They partially restored my hope in their parenting skills. So, we can only hope for the best for young Rory. I did get a kick out of Kate trying to rope Aunt Lillian into delivering her bad news. It just showed us how unsympathetic a character she is right now. I love that Jennifer reminded her and us that despite her teenage whining and tears, she is a 38-year-old married mother of three. Lillian thinks that Kate needs a plan. As I suggested before, a one-way ticket to South Africa would be a most excellent one. However, I don't think that's what the scriptwriters have in mind. On to Kenton. Poor, deluded Kenton. I did think that the ladies of the fate committee pulled the plug on it rather unilaterally and prematurely but with siblings Kenton and Elizabeth both planning alternative venues and a serious lack of communication between Archer family members, that looming locomotive crash could be seen miles down the track. Well, just more fodder for Kenton's paranoid fantasies. The whole family is in on it now. So Angus is busy writing a prescription for Kenton's antipsychotic medication even as we speak. Angus doesn't have the best handwriting. What doggy doctor does? So I better go assist him. We'll speak again next week. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Uh, Witherspoon is now on Twitter, uh, which is very nice. And he sent us a picture of himself looking extremely stern in his Dumpty Dumpty shirt. Um mm. And he said as well, he said what you said, um, that, you know, uh, Brian having to go at, well, Brian having a go at Kate and Jennifer for once actually backing him up and saying, no, darling, your father's right. Um, it, he said it sort of uh, restored hope in their parenting skills. Well, kind of, but it was their parenting skills, I think, that got her there in the first place. I really do think that. Mm, well, we have to agree to disagree on this slightly. Mm. But if, um, if, you, if you bring up a child to believe that they're God's gift... And, you know, Ooh, she's so creative, she's so talented, she's so independent, she's such a free spirit, she's blah, 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 blah. Why, what is going, you know, how do you then get them to, to you can't suddenly say, actually, you're not. You're just like everyone else, now stop but it. But I, I don't see, and maybe other listeners can tell me uh, that I'm wrong here, but I can't see how they've actually treated Kate differently of how they would have treated any of their children, you know. I know when Debbie left home, she was somewhat older than Kate, but Debbie's gone. No, off. you're right. Adam's I suppose if gone off, if Adam, you know, I can't imagine if Adam had done anything as bad as the things that Kate has done. Kate is just incredibly self-centered and yeah. always has been. Yeah. You know, and there's no. She's not level even the of... youngest, is she? It's normally no, the youngest. No, exactly. Yeah. You know, Alice is is an arch Tory compared to her. Yeah. You know, she's absolutely a conformist. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You're right. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I give up. I've just blown, sunk my own theory, haven't I? Like playing battleships. <sighs> Hi there, Dumpty Dummers. It's Jojo Sexy Heels here. And I just thought I'd ring in with my musings on the week ahead or the week behind on Kate. Kate really is turning into Adina from Ab Fab. She's getting nuttier and nuttier with every single moment. 
I absolutely loved Brian's rant when he told her exactly what he thought of her. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I really feel that, you know, we've we've got our Safi with um with Phoebe. She's obviously well fed up with her mother. And now of course every Adina has to have a Patsy. And of course in the wings we have Lillian. She hasn't got a man in her life. She does have the love of, love of the gin and tonic and she seems to be the one that is is giving the support to Kate in her um, wanderings through the world, leaving destruction everywhere she goes. Yes, Jojo Sexy Heels says that uh, Kate is now Edina from Abfab, and I mean, there is a few there... people have said that on the Twitter, yeah, haven't they? Yeah, and and when Phoebe just said, "No, I'm coming back with you," to Brian, uh, when she set the fire alarm off. Yes. And and Kate said, no, but darling, you're staying. And she said, no, I'm not. And that's it. But there's almost an element of Phoebe that is glorying in this. Look how awful she is. Even if Kate did do something nice now, Phoebe would say, no, she's, do-, you know, mm. don't believe it. She's doing, well, she's doing something for. You know, it's not, even if Kate had come back and she'd have been sweetness and light and a model mother, mm. Phoebe understandably would have, what, 17 years, mm. 16 years worth of, understandable mm. resentment yeah well you especially know, after what happened when she on? went out there and exactly yeah you know she caught a mother having an affair yeah. in south africa yeah. she has been abandoned by a mother yeah you know she flounces back whenever she wants and pretends that everything's fine and go you know and that's so yeah you know she had it coming whichever which way but from phoebe yeah this week has taught me that the archers is true to life I went to a meet-up on my cousin's husband's family farm in deepest Suffolk to find that her husband's farming parents are called David and Ruth and have recently been getting quotes for robotic milkers. Not only that, but David recently took a kicking from one of the cows. Okay, not Tony, but I think given my now vast agricultural experience that the scriptwriters are spot on with their depiction of farming life. The cows went moo and the sheep bar, so that was right as well. Another accurate aspect this week was the way both Kate and Kenton blamed other people for their predicaments without any self-awareness that their own actions may have something to do with the sticky situations they find themselves in. It was a bit much of Kenton to have a go at his 84-year-old mother that it would be her fault if the bull fails due to the relocation of the summer fate. Nothing to do with him splashing the cash that he didn't actually have. Kate had a whole list of people who were the cause of her problems. Lucas and his parents, her tutor, Roy and Haley. I love her annoying self-entitled ways and can't get enough of her whinging. My own self-awareness came in this week when I realised how much of a worrier I am. When Harrison put on the showing of Chicago at the Bull for Fallon's birthday, my first thought was not, how lovely, what a wonderful boyfriend, but... Has he thought this through and got the correct licence for playing a DVD in a public place, given the dire warnings on them of civil and criminal penalties for doing so? If not, could he lose his job over such a misdemeanour? Will Rob find out and use it as leverage next time he is interrogated for some foul deed by PC Burns, as he will then have some dirt on him? Worries, worries. On a different tack... I thought I'd developed a foolproof system for telling Rex and Toby apart and was just about to patent it, ended up more confused than ever. I thought, simple enough, just remember that Rex is a dog and Toby a Toby jug. 
but then the system fell down. Is Rex a good dog that everyone likes or a bad dog that goes around biting people? And is Toby a Toby jug full of beer, so a jolly chap of good cheer? Or is he the bad lad who's had a few too many and gets into bar fights? Rex good, Toby bad. Rex good, Toby bad. I'll just repeat this 400 times a day and I'm sure soon enough I'll remember who is who. <laughs> uh, Paul Room. He's actually been to a farm owned by somebody called David and Ruth where someone got kicked by a cow. <laughs> who says it's not true? He doesn't say whether or not it was flooded and he ended up in a tent with Elizabeth. But um, he he is worried that... Her- what did you think of that bloody... Sorry, I'm swearing my head off today. Um, that uh, secret cinema thing. I thought it was quite sweet. But th- but there is something a bit naff about Harrison with Fallon. Naff in that it's a little bit too saccharine. Mm. And, and I can't quite put my finger on it, you know. So, but it, you know, completely took me back to uh, a Valentine's Day, God, 20 years ago now. When um, I... Have you ever seen the film Cinema Paradiso? Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous film. And the story is, is that there's this projectionist in this town. And he's been showing films for about 20, 30 years. And he has to cut out all of the scenes of romance, of kissing. Because of the uh, village censor who is the, the priest. And kind of on his deathbed he gives this uh, film to um, his junior uh, projectionist who becomes this kind of big film director, movie director. And it's the scenes of all these famous films with people getting a a smooch. Mm -hmm. And many, many, many years ago, um, I thought, that's quite a nice idea that is. And I, uh, for my girlfriend at the time, Valentine's Day, spent a week going through old classic movies. This is before the internet. We could just download stuff and just chop it. So it was really was an effort putting them all together and I put some background music to it. And it was 10 minutes of, you know, like Lauren and Bacall or, um, you know, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton, you know, kind of like kissing in the most kind of dramatic and kind of sensual ways. And she just went, hmm, you not got me a present then. <gasps> <laughs> was I... it Kate? Were you going out with Kate? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, Lizzie, I was crestfallen. I'd spent so long, but Aww. and she was and and Claire was such a lovely girl, but she just did. She had no idea the amount yeah. of work that had kind yeah, of gone yeah, into yeah. it yeah. because she wasn't mean spirited at all. But she just went, "Hmm, oh, so you didn't get me present then? Oh, that's fine." Blah blah blah. I thought, "Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> is it just this?" <laughs> So, and I say that as a weak tangential link to uh, the movie thing, in that he went to a lot of work. Yeah. You know, and he has thought about it deeply. Um, He had asked around. I know she didn't want any fuss in inverted commas, but, you know, I thought it was kind of quite sweet, but there's something a little bit stagely naff about their relationship. He has taken her edge away. Well, her reg has been taken away from quite some time. It's, you know, it really has. You know, she's gone. She used to be quite not hard. She used to be a bit bollocksy. She used to be a bit alternative. 
you know, now she's bloody tea sets and furniture restoring. And the most annoying thing for me is, and I know you're going to go, yeah, but we But she said, I don't want you to do anything. And he thought, no, you don't. Mm. And went and did it anyway. No, and no, no, that, no. I that, agree that, with you. That's... I agree with you. And the reason why I agree with you is because he went and asked Jolene and Jolene said she doesn't like yeah. any fuss. Yeah. So, you know, oh, arguably... That, I know be- no, I know better. I know better. Oh. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm. But anyway. Yep. Not a fan. Anyway. Uh, where were we going with this? Oh, yes. Pool room. Um, ah. Yes. Well, I wish he would arrest himself. Oh. I wish somebody... The thing that worries me about Fallon is that she's going to default into a relationship, into a proper, you know, long-term marriage or whatever with harassment. And then somebody really bad, as in exciting bad, is going to come to the village. (laughs) Yeah, this podcaster. This brummy podcaster. This brummy podcaster is going to turn up in Ambridge and she's going to be off like a shot. And then she's going to have all that (laughs) guilt and everything else. You know. Because she's just settled. Mm. Because she slept walked into it because everyone said, oh, he's so lovely, he's so lovely, isn't he? And she's kind of just gone along with it. And I don't know. No, 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 no. She deserves better. Mm. But I always think well, people deserve Well, I think better. we have to be careful here because kind of linking this back to our conversation a couple of podcasts ago about romantic love and listening back to that i think we both oscillated between you know you very clearly started off saying romantic love is a um a construct which is some 500 years old which i you know i don't gonna quite agree with but then we talked about love and was love real Mm -hmm. and that isn't where we kind of started the whole kind of conversation but i think that if we are we have to be careful what we're saying here about what you know specifically what you've just said there in terms of settling for somebody because there's nothing wrong no with with harrison he's Mm. an absolute rock millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from noom like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. 
For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And this is, you know, dare I say it's kind of part Except of Except he doesn't the, listen. Well, yeah. But it's, it's not as if he's for, for malicious intent. No. You know? But um, it's kind of part of this kind of nexus of nonsense you throw at ourselves <laughs> now in that don't snigger no i like it the nexus of nonsense it's the guy in that <laughs> it's very good it's like somebody who is uh obviously into you prepared to have your back mm. it's a case of oh don't settle for them yeah oh no, somebody no, no. else yeah, might yeah, better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, what do I we know, want you yeah, know I what know. do we want i know, want? I know. You know? Yeah, but she she needs to get, Fallon needs to go off around the world. That's what she needs. Mm. Yeah. Well, she went well, off in that camper van around Britain, didn't no, she? No, that doesn't count. I mean, she's going to go and live <laughs> in Texas for a bit or something like that. You know what I mean? Something oh, good. She'd love it in Austin, South by Southwest. <laughs> That'd be perfect for it. Really would because she's she's a singer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. She's just. I don't want her to sort of just waste away and become just another Ambridge woman do you know what I mean but I don't think she's going to waste away because they're obviously queuing her up for quite a a meaty future in that she's developing her own business Mm. Um, the one thing about Fallon has always been that she's always been searching for a career hasn't she Mm. You know, she's behind the bar, but she was always a little bit frustrated about that. Even though she was good at it. Yeah. She's good at managing. But she was yeah. like, oh, but I, I think I want more out of life. That's yeah. actually her thing is always think there's something else, yeah. but I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. You know, music and, and whatever. And now she's found it and she's going to be good. Mm. So whether she becomes, I don't know, some incredibly big and successful businesswoman, I don't know. But they are setting her up for success in inverted commas. They are. I reckon... Fallon and Harassment will uh, have to buy the bull off um, Jolene and Kenton. Oh, it's a bit soon though, isn't it? I I really like that as an idea, but I think it's just a bit soon. A bit soon? Oh, what? For them as a couple? Well, because he threw in some money for her business. (gasps) I've just had a horrible thought. Go on. You know, Lillian was saying to Fallon, was saying to Kate... We've got to find a plan. What if, what if, because Lillian's got money in the bull, what if she just likes to put Kate in there? We're going to find a plan to, you know, amaze the village. Mm. Oh, God, I hope not. No, no it can't be, no, because she's no. got absolutely no Because Lillian's experience. not, you know, Lillian's a canny businesswoman. She wouldn't be so stupid. I felt really disappointed with Lillian this week. No, she's a, Ooh. it's a niece. It's her niece. I know, but she's it still... It is her job mm. to put a, an arm around her and say... But she didn't. The... She filled her with more of the cockeyed nonsense that got her in this mess in the first place. Because Lillian sees part of herself yeah, in Kate. That's the thing. The failure, yeah. Well, not the failure, just the... 
you know, we see the world differently. You know, yeah. Lillian is a, a bit of a hedonist too. That's the reason yeah. why she's, you know, she's yeah. had a treatment and, and, and whatever. And as Witherspoon says, she's, she's a narcissist, just like Kate. However, she's not to the extreme of Kate. That's the thing. Mm. Yeah. You know, she has her own dysfunctional relationship with, oh God, what's her dreadful son called now? Whose name I forget. <laughs> James. Ma. <laughs> Hello, Ma. <laughs> <laughs> James Bellamy. Mm. That's I did feel sorry for when she said sometimes you know it's easier to deal with your grown up children when they're a nice long way away. <laughs> and I thought mm. yes, yeah, certainly bloody easier Absolutely. to deal with James with a nice long way away. I'm glad that storyline's gone quiet because he was driving me mad. Him and lettuce or whatever she's called, Leonie. Hello, Roy Field. Hello, Lucy. It's Ms. Marbles here from Brighton of all places. But more of that later. I did email in with a prediction um, a couple of weeks ago, but um, you didn't mention it. So maybe you didn't get it or I don't know, maybe it wasn't sufficiently interesting. Anyway, I'm um, now contacting you with it um, because I don't think anyone has suggested this prediction yet and I can't get it out of my head. So here we go. There have been various burglaries in the village, um, obviously not solved because Harrison Carpet Burns is too busy on other matters which may be proposing to Fallon soon, I think. But anyway, that's not the prediction. Um, my prediction is that the burglar who's been going around and looting the cottages is in fact Alistair. He's got himself into huge gambling debt now and he doesn't know what to do, which is why he's been quite distant and vague as his mind is on all the debts. And he knew that Auntie Cardboard wasn't in her house because uh, she was in his house. So I wonder if he's been going around to the houses of people who are away because of the flood and he's been stealing things and selling them because the heavies are after him because of his gambling debts. That's my prediction. Don't know if uh, that sounds likely. My last prediction was something about Tina and Rob and that was rubbish. So perhaps this one will be too... Anyway, got a dash because it's a sunny day in Brighton and we're all going out. Friend of ours, Toby, is coming down. Last time Toby was here, you would not believe it. In fact, let me tell you. Oh, no. Sorry, I can't tell you. What happens in Brighton stays in Brighton. Bye, you two. Still loving the podcast. Bye. What do you think uh, about them onions? That was stretching credulity for me, that one. Yeah. No, he's not, he's not well organised enough to be a burglar, really. <laughs> <laughs> He'd run out of the house, leave it all behind. <laughs> yes, no, I can't, I can't see that. I can't see that. But she's committed to it as a theory. Mm. Well, we, we like people who are committed to theories. <laughs> so if you're committed to a theory, please call in next Stick week. Stick with it. However Ms. outlandish, yes. we don't care. <laughs> Hello, it's Mrs Bentos here. Uh, this week I've been mainly following the Lillian Guide to making it through life not attempting to do a thing until I've drunk a vat of coffee and wondering at the incredible healing powers of gin, uh, infinitely preferable to Susan's dirty banana or whatever hideous cocktails she was serving at her party. So talking of that party, the leaving party, I've spent much of the week shouting, don't go moik at the radio. I'm really sad that the Tuckers are leaving. I think we'll really miss them. It's such a shame that we're not going to get to see Bethany growing up and there were some brilliant stories I'm sure that could have been told there um it's very sad I think that Mike's disappearing into the sunset with Vicky uh, who apparently is the woman that is unable to recognize a tree despite living in the country for several years I thought the scenes where they were saying goodbye to the house uh, 
um, with Brenda and Roy were really sweet and kind of brought back memories of Betty dying and I can remember howling at the radio when that happened. Um, but one bit of good news from my point of view was that I think Haley may be coming back as Mike was telling Roy not to give up on her. I think most of us were probably presuming that that was the last we'd seen of her, but that's that's a, a silver lining to the, the Tucker cloud if she does come back. I'm wondering who might be moving into Willow Farm. I don't know if this means more new characters or surely it's not um, the sheepdogs that will be moving into there because, I mean, I'm actually a bit confused. I don't know where their kennel is situated at the moment, but... It seems a bit of a poor swap to me, you know, the tuckers for, for the sheepdogs. We'll have to wait and see. Other than that, the um, the other shock of this week was really PC Burns's idea of a romantic birthday surprise of Fallon, which she seemed quite pleased with. I'd have been a bit cheesed off, frankly. Um, I don't think a sing-along of Chicago with a load of um, sort of half-cut regulars from the pub is my idea of a a beautiful romantic surprise, but she seemed okay about it. I just want to know if um, if Kenton and Carpet Burns rouged their knees and rolled their stockings down for the occasion. Perhaps I shouldn't really have asked that question. It's not the best mental image to portray, is it? Um, thanks very much. Still loving the show. Keep up the good work. And uh, Miss Bentos said she had a little cry when, when, when the Tuckers left. Well, when Mike... And Vicky left. Oh, the tree was moving. Yeah. Was it? It really was. Was it windy? <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, I know it's on the website, but it does. that bit did really make me cry when I think about Betty and him trying to get dressed for the funeral and saying, I, I, I wanted to ask Betty what tie I should wear. Yeah. And I thought that was just so moving. It was such a beautiful mm. way of describing the loss of somebody that's been part of your life, practically all your life, and then you actually need the one person you need to help get through their loss is is not there because it's them you know and mm. it, it's very it was beautifully written and such a sad well scene and i think this is one of the we're so spoiled by how much continuity there actually is in our famous our favorite docudrama and that was it, it was it was absolutely was, was a case in point um there was a little bit of a fuss made about, you know, the ashes and the tree mm. when Betty died. Yeah. But I'd forgotten. And I'm sure... Um... It was because Vicky wanted to build something on it, didn't she? Or she wanted exactly, to, to move yes. the... T- and, mm-hmm. you know, she is... I love Vicky, but she is kind of self-centred. It is about... Well, it's about she, her and not, little Bethany. No, no, and... I, I, th- I think that's a little bit harsh. I think she's a little bit of a blunderbuss. Yeah. But but actually, when you when, you, when things get pointed out to her... She gets it. Yes. But in that moment, yeah. you, you know, she just, yeah, yeah, she's just a blunderbuss. Yeah. But, you know, she's not, you know, not at all self-centred in the way that Kate Aldridge is. You can no. actually reason with her. Yes. But I just thought it's just another uh, example of the kind of the continuity that, you know, goes throughout the show in that, you know, Betty wasn't forgotten. And even just the fact that Brenda came back. Yeah. You know, the that's very much real life. Yeah. You know, all you know, whether you watch EastEnders or Coronation Street, when actors leave, yeah. it's as if to say they never had any backstories or any families before. Yes. Nobody yes. ever comes back. No. And I just thought that in itself was just a lovely touch. I did. I, 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 I was greatly relieved that it was the same bloody Brenda. But also, when she came back, I kind of thought, oh, you're here, are you? 
Oh yeah, where have you been? Can't remember. <laughs> Who were you with? <laughs> Don't know that either. It was sort of like, let's just pick up from where... And it's mm. like when you meet, when you haven't seen someone for ages and you've actually, you feel guilty because you should have you should have been paying attention to what happened to them and, where, and you sort of say, so are you still doing that thing you were doing before you left? And are you still with that? thingy the you know the the man slash woman you were with before you let you know it's sort of um and i felt a bit like that i felt incredibly guilty that i ha- clearly hadn't paid attention to it, it, the boyfriend's called adrian isn't he and yeah, they're not well, getting married I, I, and he's I, some I web person remember. but i don't know where they are where are they are well, they in london? in london aren't they they're oh, in london that after london. she was with the, the russian yeah crook millionaire billionaire okay. mm. Uh, I did like the little scenes with her and Tom. Yes. You know, the little kind of hesitancy in, yeah. in, in new Tom's voice. Yeah. You know, and he's like, oh, hello, type yeah. of thing. And uh, the fact they'd messed up two relationships. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Because I thought that was interesting that he'd now reflected on that and realised that he'd actually buggered that one up as well. Mm. That he was now seeing both of them as a as a failure, sort of his failure. Yeah, his failure. Yeah. yeah we've had an email well we've had several emails good. Uh, about our you know when you and I were getting very muddled up about um, uh, sheep shagging their children and then ending up yes. with blah, 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 blah. well a proper person has emailed a proper person <laughs> who knows what she is talking about Jackie Dale hello Jackie um, not all of the lambs are sold for roast dinners. In pedigree flocks and some commercial flocks, the best will be kept for breeding. But farmers are always careful to make sure that inbreeding is avoided. So the ewe lambs would be kept in a different flock, i.e. different field, and run with a different ram. It is quite usual for a ewe lamb to have her own lamb at one year old, though sometimes they're lambed at two. In cattle, a similar policy will apply. If heifers are kept for breeding, the bull will be sold before his daughters join the herd. In dairy cattle, most are visited by the bull in the bowler hat, which is the word for the AI man. <laughs> Though a bull might be kept also depending on the system. Heifers are ideally mated at about 15 months, meaning that they calve at 24 months or thereabouts. This is the optimum time to enable the cow to be the most profitable. We sound like Barrow Farm. Um, I hope that makes sense. I grew up on a sheep and beef farm and now on a dairy farm with my husband. Um, I love the line on the Dumpty Dum sponsored by Easy Fry Oven Chips for days when cows are more important. There are a lot of days like that in our house, she says. Um, yes, thank you very much, Jackie. That is very helpful. Thank and you, she, Jackie. she says uh, if we need to know anything else in the future, then she will be our dairy correspondent, which is great. Um, Elizabeth Church says she grew up on a dairy farm. When I was about nine, my mother decided to show me a bull serving a cow. I asked if it was the same in humans. My mother said it was. And I said, but I've never seen daddy jump on your back. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, oh, my mum has emailed in to say, I am amazed that you thought, this is to me, not you. I am mm. amazed that you thought that farmers carted bulls around from farm to farm like goat people take billy goats around. Have you not heard of artificial <laughs> insemination? <laughs> Sorry, mother. Yes. Um, she said, in, she was in North Yorkshire and she said she saw bulls in family groups, but a lot of bulls are kept in concrete pens with bars around them and they only come out to service the cows. That is a very sad life. Um, and Adam Henson on Countryfile has old breeds and Highland pedigree cattle. So he owns at least one Highland bull, she says. And then she goes on to have a go at me because I apparently gave a good plug to the WI, but then the podcast went dead. What happened? Love, Ma. 
So there we go. Ma. <laughs> like James Bellamy. Um, Cosmo said, you know, we were talking about who... I thought it was Louise that uh, made up Auntie Cardboard. He yes. says... As far as I'm aware, this originated on Umrah a long time ago to reflect her cardboard style of acting. Mm. But somebody else, and I think it was Dusty Substances, said that Amanda White had made up Auntie Cardboard on the Mustardland message board. Mm. So we don't know is the upshot and outcome. We do not know. Is this a bit like the origin of the expression okay? Yes. We'll never actually know. We're never going to know. There's probably a Wikipedia page of about 40,000 pages long on Auntie Cardboard. So we don't know. (laughs) Uh, Scarlet Sparrow. She says, we are right, there will be a pregnancy soon, but it will be Kate who gets knocked up. And maybe intentionally, as she has nothing else to do, watch out men of Ambridge. Who will be the daddy? Also, Royfield, where are the yoga mats? I need a you are blocking my chakras mat. On the other side, it could say, time to go smudging. Keep going, love mm. the podcast, she says. Thank you very much. Um, here's the thing. And I did address this a little bit last week. But Cafe Press, which is the uh, the facility, the platform that we use, uh, they have withdrawn a whole load of products. And I don't even know if yoga mats were actually one of them, which we could actually put our logos on. Uh, a whole load of things have gone and they used to be tea towels many 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 moons ago and now there aren't so again here's a challenge Um, if somebody can find find us a link for a company that um, allows us to put logos on yoga mats we will do that and uh, we'll get them sent out to you hooray yes 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 Uh, yes that's it the end of the callers good good um, let's very, very, very quickly uh, have a commercial break. Hello, I'm Sarah Smith, proud sponsor of Dumpty Dum. If you want to polish up your Albion, give your optics a wipe or even mop up after your ferrets, Sarah Smith cloths are eco-friendly, reusable and washable. And, you know, a bit posh. Sarah Smith, available from Sainsbury's for the posher washer. Proud sponsors of Dumpty Dum. Fancy getting your mouth around something warm? Something comforting you can really get a firm grip on? Why not buy a Dumpty Dum mug from the shop at dumptydum.com? Goes down lovely. Um, my name is Kate. My name's Joe. My name's Nicola. My name is Suzanne Hakimi. My name is Mary Parkinson. I'm in Hope House as a client. Um, I have had addiction issues um, throughout my life, um, um, including an eating disorder, heroin, crack, um, addiction drink, to drugs, methadone, alcohol. I'm here because it got really bad. Hope House started off as an eight-bed unit in Maida Vale, and um, we're an all-women unit. I had read an article about Hope House some months before and when I read about it what I read or what I took away from the article was that this was a place where women worked to help other women. Coming soon to iTunes, 1001 Conversations, a new podcast from Royfield Brown. G'day everyone. 
Millie Bell here. It's the night before the shortest night of the year and it's absolutely freezing here. Well, cold for us, 12 degrees. Big week in the arches and on the Book of Face. Paul McAnulty in Ambridge Attic says, Now I have replayed this several times as I thought I'd heard it wrong. But what was Elizabeth suggesting? Chris, it's Ruth's birthday tomorrow, isn't it? Elizabeth, yes. And David's driving up to prod her. It's all a bit carry-on farming. Sarah Holt in The Archers Anonymous. How many times will spoilt little Kenton chuck his toys out of the pram before someone gives him a good slap? Man up. Jen Alley agrees in Ambrogetics and says Kenton has gone too far now, blaming the saintly Jill. How despicable. Peter Hayes Fripps in Ambrogetics said that he'd never, I've never really seen the point of avocado. No wonder Ed will never get on in life. And Paul Tobin, back to Kenton, says, I used to like Kenton, but now I'd happily give him a right-hander. We're all getting quite antsy, aren't we? Nikki Smith in Archer's Appreciation says, The clumsy carrot picker is her new favourite character. Uh, Carol King in Upstairs at the Ball said that re-Christine moving in with Peggy and Ben, Peggy said they would have a proper agreement in case Peggy pegged it, but she has left the house to Helen and Rob, so will the agreement be that she stays in it till she shuffles off too. That would not go down very well, would it, for sea trouble? I must admit, I did think that was all very vague, and if someone said to me that we'd have it all written out, I'd want to know what those details were. Adam Frankenberg in Archer's Appreciation said, tonight's episode actually made me feel sorry for Kate. And I cannot really believe I've just typed that sentence. Neither can I, Adam. Janice Frost in Ambridge Attic says, If Kenton got a kick up the arse like Kate got from Brian, I for one would be delighted. Oh, Pam Stowe in Ambridge Attic said, Good old Lillian. She was a nightmare, Jenny. Bringing Jenny down to earth. That was a brilliant moment, wasn't it? Peter Johnson in The Archers Anonymous said, My God, I'd forgotten about the vacancy for Tree Warden. How remiss of me. How remiss indeed. Fraser Cook in Archer's Appreciation says, Bit selfish of them not to have those leaving drinks in the ball. All functions should now happen in the ball. Weddings, wetting the baby's head, wakes, cake leaving ambulance. Will no one think of Kenton? Peter Johnson in The Archer's Anonymous said, With just one episode to go this week, it has to be said what a pleasure The Archer's has been to listen to these last few days. Well written scripts with due consideration given to the way the characters portrayed would have behaved naturally. It has all felt normal and totally believable. No trips or flights of fancy with little or no heed paid to credulity. I've said before, credit where credit is due, and in this case, it is well overdue. Thank you, scriptwriters. That is really lovely. Thank you, Peter Johnson. I agree. Um, and Dawn Martin agrees and says, um, well done to Carol Harrington for some really well-written episodes this week, whether it was the reminiscing between the departing Mike and Neil, or Vicky blathering on about missing the cows in country life, or Brian and Jenny finally giving the feckless nearly 40-year-old Kate Walk for there was some grand writing. Let's hope that the writers keep it up. <laughs> Tim Porter, up in upstairs of the ball, said, 10 minutes? I don't care to hear you boasting, Harrison. And then we had some a couple of questions that we asked you, and we asked you, did you enjoy our homage to Desert Island Discs at the end of the show, and should we bring the, this back as a semi-regular feature? And generally the agreement was, that, yes, that was great fun. In fact, it, people really enjoyed it, so you never know. We could get lucky if Roy Phil has any time. And then uh, we this week's show, Lucy asked what um, I would play in the bath. I thought she was having a Brian moment. This was obviously a question from Roe Ifield. Um, what piece of music would you choose? 
Uh, Diane Telford said, I listen to podcasts nowadays, but classical it would be Rhapsody in Blue. Peter Barlow said, A Sea Symphony by uh, Ralph Vaughan Williams. Pete Barlow also suggested Handel's Water Music. Uh, Nicholas Barnes, Got to Be Sailing By by Ronald Binge. Um, Peter Barlow also then suggested uh, the theme from Captain Pugwash. Did you see what he did there? Um, and Jan A. Mitchell said River by Joni Mitchell. And Ollie Bladen said, I don't think Brian was listening to Aida in the bath. He was watching the opening titles to the original House of Cards. Um, great week again, everybody. Uh, keep keep talking on the Book of Face. You amuse the hell out of me. And I'll see you next week. Hooroo. So now we're back from our commercial break and from talking to Miss Millie Bell. I just thought it'd be apropos of me just to squeeze in before we go to Lucy's hashtag the Archer's Tweets of the Week. Uh, a little note from Sue Hopkinson on the Book of Face who said she also too did enjoy listening to songs from the bathtub. Uh, but it took her a little while to realise that the water sounds were in the podcast and she hadn't had a leaking pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Sue. Is there any, any kind of panic there? <laughs> but anyway, Lucy. Yes. Hit us with your hashtag, The Archer's Tweets, of the last seven days, please. Okay. These are actually, quite a lot of these are actually kind of about uh, what people do while they listen to The Archer's. And they just made me laugh. Or what, what they do while they're listening to us. Uh, Loma Lindy 12 said... I can do guests for about one day. Then the charm wears off and I want to be listening to the archers without my bra on. <laughs> <laughs> Woman after my own heart. Um, Murian, I think I've pronounced that wrongly, but it's Gaelic, so I'm sorry. Um, said, drowning Kenton in the culvert would be good for village morale. It's very true. Yes, mm. maybe we should do that. Excellent. Mistress Fiona just sort of chipped in with, oh, I've been cleaning while listening to Dumpty Dum. I found my toenail scissors. Oh, and the noise <laughs> at the end of the music is like having a wee, she said. So that was another person. So you had one person who thought it was a leaky pipe and the other person who thought she'd developed incontinence. Um, John O'Shea, about talking about Kate, said, she, you know, she said she was going to find herself. She said, can we hide herself really well so it takes a long time for Kate to find herself? Um, <laughs> Sam Mary D said... This was nasty but funny. Uh, when uh, Mike and um, Mike and Roy and Brenda were all talking, how did we manage to afford this house? No idea. <laughs> 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 uh -huh. And tweet of the week <laughs> was Zorro P. Freely, who said, "You know, Kate said I can't remember the last time I drank gin." Said Lillian can't remember the last time she drank gin either. And it was yesterday. They were good. They were good this week. Um, shall we start to wrap things up? Yeah. All right. Then. Well, um, first, it's uh, Lucy's favourite section. Because <laughs> I know you like to, you know, you like the in-depth kind of profiles like that we uh, have on our people who purchase things from yeah. us. All right. It's shop news. Uh, right, now, the first person that bought Summit this week is also the last person that bought Summit this week. Who were they, Lucy? It was Andy Bent of Greater Manchester who bought some splash of gin in that darling mugs. And you two folks can buy stuff by going to dumpydum.com forward slash shop. But I just want to say 
big massive respect to all the dumb dumbers yesterday who posted photos of themselves on the twitters in their swag uh, with a spoon who looked frankly scary in his goddess diva who is packing her t-shirt for glastonbury and uh paul douglas who showed us his t-shirt and mug combo do you know what i went to a meeting with paul mm. for something that i help out at locally and he does too and uh in fact i shall say because it i should say i there's no reason to be to be covert or culvert about it um <laughs> we are both on the board of our local credit union which helps uh local people to uh take out loans and uh to avoid them having to go to horrible payday loan shark gits. Um, so it's a way of sort of, you know, you, you you invest in it and then when you need it, people that need the money can can get cheap loans from it, can get cost-effective loans. Mm. So we both help out there. And he turned up and went, ha! When, <laughs> when he arrived because he was wearing his Dumpty Dum t-shirt. <laughs> He'd forgotten I was going to be there. It's very strange. He said, I've been wearing this all day. I didn't realise I was going to see you. Anyway. Well, he looked rather splendid. He didn't did. It? Rather fetching. There's something about that black T-shirt with the white logo. I actually think that's my, my favourite kind of colour combination. The men look manly in them. They do. <laughs> For manly men. <laughs> Dumpty dum. Puts hairs on your chest. Uh, now it's reviews, news, news, news of reviews. reviews. And we are getting ever closer to our goal of 200 reviews in the uk store now these lovely scrumptious people have helped us to inch ever closer oh sorry sam the gate what sam the gate barrow one uh drift 51 and from the colony that got away lone rock god sent this review uh, it's very kind of you. Five stars. A must for Archers fans. I very much enjoy the meandering dialogue and consideration of all things Ambridge. I think I'm one of many expat listeners who appreciate the light-hearted parochial banter and humorous diversions. One quibble. Please dial back the innuendo level from crypto-pornographic to cringe-worthily salacious. <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever called me crypto-pornographic. I quite like that. <laughs> Can you endorse me for crypto pornography on LinkedIn? <laughs> I will. But you need to put it as one of your skills, though. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, for one, Lucy, yes. think that Lone Rock God is absolutely right. <laughs> and you know what, Lucy? There's a new sheriff in town, and I'm going to clean up this podcast. You know what I'm going to use to clean it up? <laughs> Some Sarah Smith wipes. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> uh, so... Please head over to iTunes, write that review, and the 200th will get a Dumpty Dum mug and some Sarah Smith cloths into the bargain. Uh, remember, you can be awarded the Order of John Archer by emailing us if your name is John, or you can prove that you have a real link to a gentleman who goes by the name of John, and you will be knighted John the 8th. You can also go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, and you can donate $2 a show, which is about pound thirty. If you want to donate, you can do that by clicking on the donate button on dumdydum.com. And this week's donator was Mrs. Sheila Snowden yet again. For Thank the you, recurring Sheila. donation. We love you, Auntie Sheila. Remember, you can also send us a voicemail message via the site. Or you can call us on 0203 from a phone uh, to leave us a message. Uh, you can also ping us an email if you like. Or you can tweet me on the Twitters at Royfield. Uh, me at Lucy V Freeman. The both of us at Dumpty Dum or Sarah Smith at Sarah underscore Smith. 
I tell you what's nice about that Sarah Smith what malarkey is that people are starting to um, when they when you know when they see pictures of Sarah Smith uh, goods they kind of tweeting them now and there's pictures of them with their washer washer wipes. I it's know. Very good. Very good. Very good. <laughs> You know when Harriet does the voiceover and she does mm-hmm. for the posher washer. Don't mm-hmm. you think she sounds like Samantha Bond? Who's that? Uh Miss Moneypenny from the last the Daniel Craig James Bond films. And hadn't thought she was about it. In... But she sounds very good. She does, she sounds ace. Who is this Samantha Bond? I've just told you. Other than that, what else she done? <laughs> um she's done home fires. What's that? The thing that was on ITV at nine o'clock on Sundays and isn't on anymore. It was the last one last week. Uh, you watch ITV? Ugh. No, I had to for a work thing. <laughs> I know. You, so, you, you snob. <laughs> no, I did have to. Yeah, but that's the only reason why you work, because you're such a snob. It's like, oh, ITV's for the great unwashed. <laughs> <laughs> please, 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 folks, keep those reviews coming, because we're so, so, so close to 200 in the UK iTunes store because we want to be top of the podcast charts before Kenton owes more money than Greece. Ooh, that's a good one. Ooh. I had a bit of a conversation with old Maisha about um, about debt and countries and IMF and you know what? It's, it's rather complex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, if, did you, if were you not waving but you, drowning? You kind of get to oh. that stage where you think, I wish we never started about this. Would you like child... to do the facts of life instead of economics? Because... <laughs> <laughs> it was, you know, you, and, you know, it's very easy for, for me to go off at tangents. And especially, if, it's very easy for me to talk about things which I don't really have any real knowledge of talking about <laughs> them as well. But boy, oh boy, did I tie myself up in knots with that one. <laughs> It's, oh, it is a complex business, isn't it? I like it when their expression changes from vaguely interested to sort of pitying. <laughs> when they realise that you've, you, you know, you've gone way out of your depth, the water is now closing over your head. And mm. you, you end up saying, look, just Google it. Google it and then come back and tell me what it says. Because I don't know. Uh, yeah, I will do. And I'm, I'm remembering that you still haven't uh, arranged the time to have a drink with me. But, you know, I'm not going to you know, ask you again. Because it's obviously something you just don't want to do. I do want to. Well, then you'd like come up with a date. I possible. will. Oh, did you like the uh, tunes from our bath? Yeah, I no, don't you think didn't. I, I did. I don't think I got. But I heard the the, the Sebastian Tellier. Mm. Was there more after that? Yes, you numpty. Oops, I don't think I finished listening there. <laughs> yeah, you obviously got bored. Okay. No, then I did the. Aida and I did oh. whatever um, your boy Andrew Horn wanted. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did like a minute of each. Oh, lovely. Oh, it wasn't lovely because you obviously got bored. No, I'd forgotten. I, I. Um... Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> it wasn't up. about me. Oh, there's no more of me, Royfield. So <gasps> I switched off. No, that's not it. That is not it. Sometimes I. Th- that I... is spot on the money, Lucy. <sighs> it's not. It's really not. Really, mm. really not. Yeah, it's your Kate Aldridge moment. So Kate Matakane. <laughs> if it's not about me, I ain't interested. <laughs> you just don't. You just don't see the bigger picture, Royfield. <laughs> <laughs> I am the picture. <laughs> All right, I gotta go. All right, take care. Love you lots. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Tony. I hope you can hear me. I'm right by your side. And I'm not leaving. She's leaving. Seems as though everyone in Ambridge is thinking of you. Thinking of you. Thinking of you. Oh, and here. Yeah. Henry's drawn a picture of the farm. That's supposed to be the polytunnel. I'll show you when you wake up. Wake me There's no need to worry about anything. About a thing. Helen and Rob are doing a decent job of looking after everything and, you know, Johnny's a proper farmer in the making. Johnny. Since he arrived, it's as if we've been given another chance to get things right. One more chance. Oh my darling, please be okay. I'm begging you. I'm begging you to stay. Just be okay. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.